0: Watch, whenever I get like a free moment, I'll watch, uh, rewatch a film off that box set. So that's super fun for me.
1: It's so great, such a great box set. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Becky Deanna, welcome back. Uh, it's been yeah, as we noted a while. And what's really, I mean, I, you love all sorts of film. You're you're you work on film big time cinephile. But I I love how your tastes, the the just the disparity of types of tastes like so you love bergman <laughs> yeah terminator uh-huh. star trek um albert brooks yeah and a, a lot of stuff in between but like a we, lot of stuff
0: in between yeah but french you, new wave yeah you yeah. got everything there yeah uh yeah it's so funny i talk about how i can talk about the french <laughs> new wave and star trek in the same sentence if i'd like <laughs> um yeah it um i never really saw my taste as eclectic but i think it's i think it Twitter's been an eye-opening for me since mm-hmm. I joined in 2009 and I also never saw myself as knowing more about like Igmar Bergman than anyone else and I I don't I'm not saying that I do but it was weird once I got you know invested on Twitter and made a into the you know Twitter community mm-hmm. and started to realize oh wow I know more about Bergman than I than I thought I did and then I had all sorts of people I I I uh, talked about Igmar Bergman on a podcast and then all of a sudden I've been on like seven different podcasts talking (laughs) about Bergman. And then, um, a year ago, UC Riverside asked me to teach, uh, a class, a six hour lecture. And so I, um, I did a class on Igmar Bergman. Uh, it's called Bergman 101. Mm -hmm. So So I did a lecture on, on who he was and, and his whole, and his whole, and his themes. And, uh, I showed two movies. I showed seven seal and I showed, wild strawberries and Mm -hmm. it was amazing and the class was extraordinary and it that was probably the most one of the most rewarding moments of my whole life was teaching that class and that
1: sounds fascinating
0: yeah I'd love to teach a Bergman class (laughs) (laughs) um you know any anybody who ever want me to teach a Bergman class I'd love to do that but yeah so so yeah it's just funny um and Terminator 2 and Defending Your Life Mm -hmm. both came out in 1991 and those are um, in my top three favorite films of all time, so it, it those are very different movies, and yeah, I and like a lot of different types of films,
1: which is great. I do too. Um, and one day we'll talk more about Bergman. And um, but it's funny that you never intended to become a Bergman expert, but you just love him. And you know, we 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 learn what we love and can tell yeah. others about it. That's what's awesome about film. But Albert Brooks, we we so you mentioned uh, was it ninety one? Uh huh. You and I have been talking about. Um, Defending Your Life for probably a few years now. I think you've asked me several times. Hey, do you know if uh, it's coming to Criterion? Um, and um, yeah, because
0: you always seem to have the inside scoop on all the drawings. And everything. <laughs> Wasn't there one time where we were just you were we were just con- this has to be Defending Your Life, and then and then like two years went by and they didn't release Defending Your Life.
1: I can't remember if there was a drawing. I think there was some sort of rumor somewhere. Okay. And um, and of course when, when, when Lost in America came in the collection. You know, then you think, what's the next one? And and also, you know, you look at what what hasn't come out elsewhere. And mm-hmm. uh, Defending Your Life was way overdue for mm-hmm. uh, a release. So, um, yeah, I, maybe a little bit of uh, educated guessing. I figured we'd get it someday. And uh, I'm glad we finally have it the first when i saw the announcement you were the first person i thought of so high five
0: <laughs> i know high five and i think you might have been the first pers- first person to tell me i think Probably you told was. me and then i saw the criterion tweet about mm. it and i my head almost exploded um it i i just never in my lifetime thought i get to see a criterion version of defending your life it's all i ever wanted and you know the the DVD I had is just so bare bones. All of his uh, DVDs uh, were just, you know, essentially the trailer and stuff. And actually, I had the laser disc um, in 1991. It came out in October 1991. I bought the laser disc of Defending oh, wow. Your Life because um, that my dad was really into laser discs. So I, I don't have those anymore. But Terminator 2 and um, Defending Your Life laser I both bought those in 1991 and I watched the hell out of both of them
1: <laughs> well, throughout
0: my whole rest of my life, you know, until stop watching laserdiscs
1: we're gonna talk about defending your life but bef- one thing I noticed so the weird thing with criterion they have these closet videos and um you know we're in a pandemic so I don't I, th- I have a feeling they probably like have a large backlog of closet videos mm-hmm. um, and um, but they they chose to release one with James Brooks uh, right around the time uh defending your life is coming out and I you know, great, James Brooks, uh, you know, it makes sense, broadcast news, uh, and I, we know they have a relationship, and by the way, no actual uh, relationship, uh, Brooks's real last name is Einstein, and I understand why he didn't go there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little pretentious. Um, I'm Albert Einstein, film director.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I just think he was, his parents were comedians, and they thought it'd be funny, but he didn't think <laughs> it was very funny, so he changed I, his name when he was 19.
1: Yep, yeah, I, I get it. Um so, so James Brooks you know I, I was expecting him to just talk about you know the films he loved which he does a little bit Cassavetes, but wow um, he kind of started ta- talking about Albert Brooks and uh, telling anecdotes and um, and talking about just what his films meant meant to him so um, mm-hmm. so I think that's a great way to open the show is just reflect on um, on James so what do you think of the video
0: oh was <laughs> It was so great and he's so heartfelt when he talks about albert brooks i think i think the i just laughed because <laughs> he mentions um oh uh, like he picks up lost in america blu-ray and he says um oh was i in this movie <laughs> uh, let me check and he's like checking the credits and i'm like dude you were like a cameo like you're you're like blinking you miss it in that film he, there's a, the party scene where they're cutting the cake mm. um you see him in the background of the party scene but i just think it's funny for a second he thought Oh, I might be in this movie. Am I in the credits? And I'm like, they're not going to have, you know, the guy that walked by at the party in the credits. So I thought that was funny.
1: The print is like so small. I mean, like if, if if he were on the credits, you know, he would need the best glasses in the world to actually see his <laughs> name. <laughs> but yeah, he did get choked up towards the end when he was thinking about Albert. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't Albert's still working, you know, that things are going well, but it was really I guess it impacted me to see how special that relationship is to him and, you know, just what a great guy he thinks, uh, Albert Brooks is, who I, I think Albert Brooks is probably a great guy.
0: Yeah. I think he is a great guy. And I think he's probably great to work with. Yeah. Um, and I, it just anybody, I think you always hear it and you hear it in this video, him being called, uh, you know, comedy genius,
1: He is, which yeah. he is.
0: Yeah. So it's just nice. I think people just uh, think he's wonderful. And you know, James Brooks, I think, uh, albert brooks's best performance of his career was in broadcast news so it's nice that albert brooks got recognized by getting an academy award nomination but mm-hmm. james brooks you know you could say he brought that out in him or they have their mutual uh, project together because I, I i just i think he albert brooks is absolutely extraordinary in broadcast news
1: I say something and it, and I see it on TV. Was that the line? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, he
0: does. Uh, it's what he says when um, he's at home when he's not able to to be a part of that. Um,
1: right. Yeah, he's feeding lines to the them. new story. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and, the Libya uh, story. He's a yeah, the Libya story. He's such a great actor, but also uh, you know, I mean, or such a great comedian, but also surprisingly a great actor too, so Broadcast News is one example, but he also got nominated, was it for The Driver? For, uh,
0: drive. He didn't drive, get an yeah. Academy Award nomination.
1: Okay. Um,
0: it, it was a rumored, I think he got Golden Globe nomination, but everybody assumed he'd get that nomination and he didn't. And it was a real bummer because it would have been, because he was amazing in that as mm-hmm. well. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to get to see him, get to go to the Oscars and then get nominated and be recognized again. Um, so it was, it was a real bummer he didn't get that nomination, but he was great in that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I always love the story about uh, Nicholas Why Ruffin um being saying he sort of cast Albert Brooks in that movie because he thought he was so he said that when he saw Lost in America when he was a kid that he thought Albert Brooks was terrifying in that like he was actually scared (laughs) of him because you know when he like that scene when they go um and um and he's like unleashing on Julie Haggerty yeah uh, yeah in Vegas yeah, well, next to the dam, I think oh, when oh, he yeah. really yeah. just loses it and he's oh, like, yeah. this is he our does. home. And he yeah. just freaks out and then he does the nesting thing after that. But I get so excited when Albert Brooks unleashes. I just think it's mm-hmm. this, it's just builds and builds and then it comes out and I just think it's the best thing ever. But when Nicholas... Uh, Riding reference was a kid, I guess it really scared him. He's like, oh, this guy's scary. <laughs> and so he's like, I've never seen so much rage. Um, so he just immediately thought that Upper Brooks would be great as this villain. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he was, in this yeah. Role. Yeah, and he I was. He was totally scary. Against
1: t- type yeah and, and when I think of Albert Brooks and and yeah he does have moments in all of his movies to some degree even uh, Defending Your Life uh, a couple times where he he raises his voice or gets a little explosive but the thing is his voice and I, I can kind of identify because I don't have like this booming commanding you know if, if I got angry it's still going to be a little bit of a whiny voice <laughs> uh-huh. um, but it's, his, his, his is a little high pitched still even when he I, I'm not going to say whiny but you know maybe a little whiny, yeah. Um, like, almost like a questioning kind of tone in when he gets upset. Uh, so, yeah, he has a great style. But, yeah, he, he can he's very diverse as an actor. You mm-hmm. know, he, can play, he has a lot of range. And coming up as a comedian, who would have expected that? Um, and I think it's worth pointing out that he was a phenomenal comedian in the 70s. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen, and you know a lot about him, so can you share just a little bit about the early work of albert brooks and how he kind of came to be before he became a filmmaker
0: sure yeah so um he <laughs> you know he came from a filmmaker like his father was a comedian and his mom was an actress and a singer um so he always kind of had that in his blood but he always wanted to be an actor but you know when he's in high school um, he was, he just, you know, he wanted to get the girls and like he was easy to be funny. So he was always <laughs> known as the funny guy. Um, so he just was, um, and had a lot of, uh, and he actually went to Beverly Hills High. So he was surrounded by a lot of, um, famous peoples and their, and their kids. Um, so, and he was, uh, like there was a, there was a talent show at his high school and he was like the host of it. Um, so he just, just gravitated towards just always being funny, but he went to, um, Carnegie Mellon University. Um, and then he dropped out after a year um and decided to do stand-up comedy on network television and he started off on the steve allen show um and and then in 1969 he was offered to be a regular on the dean martin show Hmm. Um, and then from the 70 to 1970 to 1973 he did over 80 variety shows, from Johnny Cash to the Everly Brothers to Glenn Campbell, Helen Reddy, Hollywood Palace. Um, and then after all of those shows, Merv Griffin asked him to um, be on a CBS show. And I think he was on that like f- 14 times. And then what's really funny, which a lot of people don't talk about, is around that time he got a call to be Neil Diamond's manager, said, hey, Albert, would you travel with Neil Diamond and open for his show? And he thought. <laughs> well, that'd be that's different. I've never yeah. d- I've never been asked anything like that before. And he wanted to do something different. So he ended up doing that um, for a while and being on the road and opening for Neil Diamond, which is <laughs> different <laughs> being a comedian in front of him. Um, and then he ended up doing after that about 40 appearances on The Tonight Show. Yeah. Um But yeah, I mean, he's he's hilarious. Um He has he's just. Like he didn't really he when he does comedy bits, they're not really they're like original bits that he's created. Yep. And he sometimes he never repeated them. Um, and they weren't really like, he, he didn't really go and just do like jokes and stuff. Like he would just do these bits, like a mime who couldn't stop talking <laughs> or a ventriloquist. A, a ventriloquist Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and he, he do all, you know, it's all sorts of funny stuff and, and he just wanted to make Johnny laugh and he, he made Johnny Carson laugh, um, quite a lot. Um, so I think, uh, after being on the road for a while, like at some point he thought, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's a, If you wanted the background into his comedy of of him being uh, a comedian. Do you have any favorite bits of him?
1: Well, yeah, the ventriloquist uh, thing with uh, I I haven't seen a whole whole bunch. You know, you mentioned the 40 uh, 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 appearances on uh, Carson. Yeah, I've seen seen a few. And and sometimes when I'm just like when I'm bored or want to want to lift up, I will go on YouTube and just find old Albert Brooks clips. And um, uh, yeah, the ventriloquist one stands out there's another one where he um he talks about how he's not gonna go low in in terms of comedy, but he doesn't have any material. Um, and talks about all the things he could do, like yeah, and and he ends up. Um, you know, smashing a pie in his face, and he finishes the <laughs> sketch by saying, <laughs> yeah. "I'm glad I'm not that kind of comic." And meanwhile, he's just covered in just all sorts of stuff. So oh
0: yeah, he's brilliant.
1: He's he's a genius. And um, yeah, and I I think people if just go YouTube his uh, Albert Brooks stand up, you'll find a treasure trove of, uh, of videos. And maybe I'll yeah. find a couple um, and put them in the in the show notes. Um, do you have well, any favorites? Uh,
0: Danny Dave, I think was <laughs> the ventriloquists? they're hilarious yeah, um and actually when you mentioned johnny carson uh, you know back in the 70s they would erase over the tape after they recorded them so um, albert brooks has talked about how it absolutely breaks his heart that he would new do a new bit every time for johnny um like once every five to six weeks and that there are a lot of those are lost yeah um, because yeah. they they didn't they didn't keep those you know those old recordings so there's there's only so many you can find online it's just a real bummer
1: the ventriloquist one is is great i mean he he just doesn't even try he just he, the ventriloquist <laughs> opens his mouth and albert's opened his mouth as well and then at one point he just drops the the dummy on the floor and uh, was it he lights a cigarette i don't know I'm, I'm yeah i'm describing a skit you should just watch it it's hilarious <laughs> i'll put that one in the show notes for sure um, so then he got into film, and so we're, we're really looking at the Criterion versions, and so there's really three films that he appears in or has had some involvement in. But you you mentioned his comedy chops. Um, also, his brother was Bob Einstein, Einstein um, mm-hmm. who was Super Dave... And uh, I think one of my favorite bits of his was in Modern Romance when he was selling running gear to um, to Albert Brooks. Do you remember that scene?
0: Yes, that's the, that's an amazing scene. And actually one of my favorite lines um, his writing partner, Monica Johnson, came up with, which is, what are you going to run, broke? <laughs> <laughs> and Monica Johnson actually came up with that line. But yeah, that's that's a brilliant scene in Modern Romance. I love that scene.
1: And Bob Einstein is, is a brilliant comedian, or he, he was. He passed, I think, a couple of years ago. But he been on he was Super Dave. He was on Curb Your Enthusiasm for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and, and as you mentioned, his, uh, his dad also was a, um, I think, was he, did he, he was after Vaudeville, I think, but just a, a like, a general stand-up comic, comedian?
0: Yeah, he was a radio comedian. Okay. Yeah. Um, his stage name was Park Your Carcass. <laughs> uh yeah okay. and it's uh it's well known that he um his dad uh actually died on stage um that's right like he did um he did a show and um he sat down and he died and Albert Brooks was 11 and a half when that happened
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so it's uh it's it's kind of crazy like that he died doing something that he loved
1: it is and and that's a great transition into his work because there is that scene in defending your life where uh, he sees this bad comedian in this little purgatory, I guess, in Judgment City, and uh, and he makes a comment about him dying on stage. Uh, I don't know if you watched the supplements, but apparently I did. Appa- yeah. yeah, it's so funny.
0: Of- yeah, Bob Whitey brought that up in the interview in the supplements, and I never put that together. But I guess it's not true that there's a joke yeah, where he. It- uh, the the um the comedian on the stage at the bomb shelter he says uh, hey how'd you die like he's mm-hmm. going around asking people how they died and he asked, and then he goes to Albert Brooks's character Daniel Miller and he says on stage like you <laughs> um it's very funny and that's how he gets uh, Meryl Streep's character um, Julia's um, she notices him but I guess. I guess I guess some people have wrote online and Bob Whitey kind of picked it up that said, oh, that's interesting that he said that because his his dad actually died on stage. And Mm -hmm. so we asked him about that in the supplement interviews. But um, but he said that was just a coincidence. He was just referring to dying on stage as like, you know, you're bombing on stage. But it is a really interesting I I just and that, that never even I never even put that together.
1: It, yeah, it's hard to hard to think that he wouldn't when, when writing that scene or or filming the scene because there's probably multiple takes and you know not thinking about his dad, but you know as you mentioned, eleven years old probably a long time ago, uh, and yeah, he's he'd been in the comedy world for probably by that point thirty years maybe, um, but yeah, uh, defending your life, uh, what a film! So you had the laserdisc. I remember this being. <laughs> Yeah, on pay tv like hbo they would show this ad nauseum uh like 92 93 I, I don't know what what it was but they just i guess always had it and um this was one of those films that like I, if it was on i would just watch it all the way through and I, I fell in love with it it's super sweet super super sweet um so you you saw it in 91 uh, and so yeah i
0: saw it in the theater
1: Wow, wow wow and were yeah. you an albert brooks fan by then because this is obviously later
0: no that this was my first albert brooks movie really? um yeah i saw it when i was 14 1991 in march um and with my family my my pair i grew up seeing like four movies a weekend my nice. my dad <laughs> my parents loved film and so we they never really got a babysitter so they just took me to anything they wanted to see so um, at this point, I was 14. I didn't need a babysitter, but um, mm-hmm. I, we just went to the movies together as a family all the time. And this movie looked funny. The commercial looked funny. And we went and saw the film. And we loved this film so much that um, we, when we bought it on Laserdisc, we, we watched it as a family really um, all really, uh, throughout my whole high school the whole time i was in high school and and it's sort of like the you know my uh, my maiden name is vargas and it would call it like the vargas family movie like <laughs> we my whole family knows the movie by heart um sometimes my sister and i just like text each other lines from defending your life nice. um and just like really obscure stuff like um you know uh, elvis dead or alive you know just like random <laughs> things um and you know uh like fast and delicious, you know what I mean? Just like random things that like, I don't think, I, I used to say my 3% is swimming all the time and nobody knew what I was talking about. Um, so <laughs> I, I feel like even when I tweet that, people are like, what is that? It's but, brain power, uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but yeah, I just, it's it's something that we just, the, the lines from the film are so funny. And, and it actually became a movie that I would show to people when I would started dating about, seeing if like what they thought of it and then I like it was sort of a gauge of like hey does this person (laughs) like this film like my uh, my first boyfriend in high school I remember I showed it to him and he loved it and I feel like he used it like quoted a line from it when he asked me to out to prom or something I can't remember what exactly it was but um, you know uh, and I, and I think it, he reached out to me a few years ago and actually re- he mentioned defending your life again, cause he used his, he was telling me that his daughter was afraid uh, of something at school. And he talked to her about, um, just like the lessons of defending your life it was really cool and he wanted to reach out to me to tell me that that movie still had a good effect on him but uh but yeah i'd also just think it's just so romantic and the score Mm -hmm. is extraordinary great Great. and um you know i I recently i think a few years ago bought the scores just to have it I, Mm -hmm. i never really thought i could own it before but i used to think about it whenever i would get pumped up to do something um I would just play it in my head sort of a thing because, you know, one of the big things behind the movie is, um, taking the opportunities when they come and thinking about things like there's a scene where, uh, Albert Brooks is faced with the fact that he, you know, had a speaking engagement and took it, but then was pretty much didn't want to take it, but he got out of it because it was a um, a gas leak but you think right, about right. things like just and one of the last things at the end Bob Diamond his lawyer says to him you know take the opportunities when they come that just really hit me as a kid mm-hmm. of like and really my whole life I think about you gotta you know what if you really have to defend your life and you have to take those opportunities when they come and, and what if you took made the wrong decision so yeah it's it, the, the film sort of been a huge part of my life for the last 30 years
1: and I can see how it's so relatable um, to, to so many people. I, I, th- I think it's one of those that maybe I, I don't remember the box office numbers. I, I actually didn't look that up, but it seems like it's gained favor over time, uh, maybe mm-hmm. because of HBO or home video. But but yeah, those scenes where you reflect on your life. I think all of us can can you know maybe think of some days or if I was there and I had nine nine scenes I had to show that were like decisive pivotal moments of my life. What would I choose? And um, and and it's interesting that it's all fear. You know, it's all about bravery, courage, fear. Um, you know, one was a stock. A stock market pass, uh, Casio uh-huh. of all things. Um, yeah, I love it
0: because I know who they are. <laughs> the, the, see, sometimes I, there's actually sometimes I'll like uh, I pitch Casio because in my job at Sony we're we're pitching our <laughs> films to brands. And I one time I was in a meeting and I thought I know who they are, but I'm like I can't bring that joke up because nobody will know what I'm talking about, not even you, Casio. But, but it just, just look weird. Yeah, yeah Casio, it was Casio just might.
1: Casio, yeah. Might. yeah.
0: Maybe, but sometimes I think of the most obscure stuff from that movie and other things, and you're like, "Oh, nobody's gonna know what I'm talking about."
1: And that's why it's it's so rewatchable. So, and I and as your if you've experienced you know, watching it straight through, and the one thing about Albert Brooks films to me, I don't know if you agree, is that he is so funny as a person, but they're very well written, and he tells great stories. And even mm-hmm. his funniest movies, um, like I think think Modern Romance is a very very funny movie, but it's also a great story. Uh, this one, I think, is actually on first watch because you just get so caught up in the plot and the, with the characters and the world building. You know, I guess it's world building. It's it,
0: I would say it's amazing world building. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's yeah. Amazing, conceptually out of, out of off the charts. But you you know you're just trying to like get lost in this world that a lot of the lines you you kind of miss them. So like mm-hmm. Rip Torn is so funny in this, but sometimes it takes like three four viewings to um, to really. Get that. Um, so I I don't know about you, but you were fourteen. Did you do you remember laughing out loud at these lines or? Yeah,
0: I I remember go. laughing out loud. Um, th- that was one of the reasons we loved this film so much. All f- my mom, dad, my sister and I all loved it. All laughed, and it was like Albert Brooks. Like we just always got his sense of humor. So mm-hmm. I think after that, that's when I started to like go into exploring some of his other films like Lost in America and 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 then I think it wasn't until college that I actually ended up seeing like Modern Romance, but the other films as they came out mother and muse i watched those as mm-hmm. they came out but albert brooks just spoke to my family and spoke to us like and i just think it it, it there's a unique there's something unique about his wit um, and uh, just uh, what makes him appeal to certain people cuz i meet some people who just like don't get him or think that he's uh, his characters in films are mean or um or they 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 think he's annoying and i just love all of his characters so much i just think he makes them all endearing even when they're just Mm -hmm. like you know modern romance he's kind of unhinged in a way but it's just amazing to watch it uh but yeah i just think there's something special actually about albert brooks fans which is interesting because i i did an episode um god i think like four years ago on wrong reel um where we just took a deep dive into his whole filmography. I'm really proud of that episode with Kevin Maher, who does Kevin Geeks Out shows in New York, um, and Jamie Hancock, who hosts that show. We just, like, geeked out about Albert Brooks for two and a half hours, and we did everything, like, every single one of his films. Hmm. Um, We talked about 2030, his book, all his comedy shows, Saturday Night Live, um, everything, and... Uh, yeah, I just, I mentioned on that show that I, I honestly, I think when I meet an Albert Brooks fan, it's just something really exciting. Like, I feel like I'm in some special club because it's like, if you meet someone who gets them, it, you know, that they're like good people <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> like they're yeah. just like more special or cooler. Like, I, I honestly, I always think people are so much cooler if I found out they're an Albert Brooks fan and I have, I have a handful of people I've met online or, or met through my life that are very close to because I'm like, Oh, you get it. You get it. Cause mm-hmm. he's so brilliant. And I think think sometimes he was so ahead of his time on some even when like jokes he would do on stage that like they just wouldn't hit yeah. right away like there you people would wait like 10 seconds and then oh I get it now and then like you know laugh so yeah. S- he's super just, smart humor. Yeah, yeah exactly
1: I'll, I'll put that I, I heard that episode I, it's hard to believe it's been four years I know <laughs> time, I actually well, I was gonna revisit put,
0: it but I haven't revisited in a while
1: well, I'll put it, uh, the link in the in the show notes. Uh, Wrong Reel is always great, and, and uh, you're always great on it. But if people want a, a deeper dive than we're going to go into, that would be uh, a good forum for it. Um, one thing I found interesting about Defending Your Life, the Criterion version, is that they had that theologian um, give a little supplement to talk about oh, yeah. uh-huh. the religious aspect. I don't know if you had a chance to watch I that. I did
0: watch it. I watched it a few weeks ago. I, I was didn't rewatch really watch it last night, though. I remember it being like, interesting but then I felt like she said a lot of the same things
1: yeah a few yeah, times
0: she's... so I got a little I didn't love it
1: yeah yeah but I, she did point out some things and I, I you don't really think about this when you're watching the film at least I didn't uh you know the types of religions so there's nowhere that Christ is mentioned or mm-hmm. Buddha uh, although everybody is I think was pretty much white and they everybody likes pie and <laughs> 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 and, um, and 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 omelets but um but the, yeah, it's and it's not about like morals, like Judeo-Christian values, uh, which a lot of afterlife pictures, a matter of life and death. I think well, that was also about politics too. But it's strictly fear, which I think is uh, is that it's is it's universal. It, it is absolutely it's relatable, but it's also a different kind of value that um, you know. If I were th- thinking about going to you know, it's and it's not even heaven. It's just moving on. You know, into uh, wherever your brain gets bigger or stronger, whatever. They don't explain that.
0: Yeah, they don't explain it. It's just, I guess, it's just a heightened sense like uh, you're becoming more evolved as a person, and that, right, <laughs> that's how right. you you end up opening up more parts of your brain to just get smarter. Like, is this what smart people eat? I guess you end up eating. <laughs> you, yeah, and your palate yeah. changes as well because you love don't, that don't scene end too. up eating. The, I know. <laughs> so as us little brains, we we don't know the delicacies of whatever riptorn was eating in that scene that looked like some weird steak thing with sauce, but. Um, Yeah, it's really funny, um, you know, Albert Brooks said in an interview a few years ago about <clears throat> that, like, he said that when he, you know, he always hates the testing process with his movies, mm-hmm. but he says oh, that, like, yeah. from real life to modern romance, he said some of the cards were always like, What's wrong with this person? <laughs> and because they, <laughs> it's like, and he said that, but what he thought was so funny about Defending Your Life was that he said that the film got a B plus overall, but it got an A plus from young people. And he said, literally, from 18 to 25, the cards were off the charts. He wow. said that, and he said it was super excited, but then the studio was like, Okay, we're not going to market to, that group it's too expensive to like market your movie to that group (laughs) but it hit me I mean well I was 14 and I wasn't 18 to 25 but um, but I think he's, he was talking about how fear, like, cause people that are young, they don't, he <laughs> describes it as they don't know what the hell's going on. And the movie really resonated with them. Cause it's not mm-hmm. about life or death or earth. It's about trying to not be afraid. And that really resonates with people, especially young people. Completely, so I think yeah. it's fascinating that he, over the years, it's become something that this film has actually, um, it doesn't like it doesn't really age, like age like people like there's just no, people who all. are c- continually gravitate toward it, who are young and like understand it because I don't know how you don't know. Like and if you get up, if they pick up, you know, days of your life and you have to sit there and watch them, like who's going to be OK with like there's always bad decisions. It's Judgment City that you've made in your life mm-hmm. and you wish you've done different things. Like I don't know who survives listening to that to something that maybe you wish you hadn't have said or an email you wish you hadn't have written. So, um, and then just thinking about like, oh, if I had done something different, if I'd asked that person out or if I had accepted that job or my life could have gone in a much better direction. It's really introspective and like wonderful. And I think it's, this movie is so uh, meaningful in that way, but also in the way of just being just one a wonderful way to demonstrate true love, I yep. feel yeah. too.
1: agree. And, and yeah, you learned from it by using the film as a litmus test for your relationships, which is very, very smart. So um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you're right. It's a great love story. Uh, You know, Meryl Streep at the time, oh, and by the way, I was 18 when I, when it came out. So I was certainly in that demographic that would have filled out the card being like, yes, this (laughs) is the best thing ever. Um, And and I loved it at the time. But, um, but yeah, Meryl Streep at that, at that point, I mean, obviously she's one of the best actresses of all time. I think, I don't even think it's up for debate. I think she has the most Oscar nominations. Yeah, it's not debatable. Yeah, she's amazing. But this is a side of her that, I mean, kind of romantic comedy that we don't really see. And she's so likable, so delightful. Um, And I I just, I I actually treasure that, you know, we kind of, and, and Brooks, I think Brooks kind of intentionally wrote people that, were flawed, and I think yeah. he sometimes made fun of people, certain classes, certainly with Lost in America, mm-hmm. but then tried to find ways to make them, um, you know, uh, I guess, um, what's the word? Redeeming, you know, um, uh uh-huh. Relatable or, or have, have a, a redemptive. Character, yeah. yeah, redemptive. Yeah, so have a character arc where they, they they arrive at a destination where they get out of where he started with them. But with Streep, and and I think that's the case with *Defending Your Life*. I think he he evolves. Obviously, if you haven't seen it, spoiler, but yeah, he at the end he uh, gets the girl, and it's uh, and Meryl Streep is it's one of my favorite perform- performances of hers. Maybe just because it's so different than anything else I've seen her in. I mean, have you seen her in a romantic romantic comedy comedy like this?
0: No, I mean I think she maybe she's done some more contemporary stuff that's been interesting. Like. Um, But not anything... Of this magnitude. She's just so wonderful. She's luminous in this movie. She is. Um, yeah. She just emanates light and, like, you want to be around her. And I just love, I just, love, there's so many subtle things that he does in this movie about the relationship with her, where he talks about how he realizes, like, and he mentioned this in his own life, that he realized that he he never wanted to be with a, com- com- a comedian. He didn't want to put someone who's exactly like him. Mm-hmm. He, it's like you have to sort of, like, balance each other out. And that she sort of, like, she even says, like, are you okay? And then they had that scene in the <laughs> The tram where he's like i i always felt like you know you couldn't be okay with another person until you're okay with yourself and she goes you're not okay but they like bring out the best in each other in a yeah. way yeah um but that the fact that he's like he's not um jealous like he's jealous and i guess in a nice uh, not in a mean way about the fact that she's like so amazing but I think he yeah. admires the fact that like oh my gosh look at you like when he gets to walk into a room and see like that <laughs> great line when he's like that was like a mutual of Omaha commercial I love that line it <laughs> makes me laugh so hard but it's like she's just like even her prosecutor loves and wants to rewatch scenes from her life like everyone yeah. <laughs> just wants to be around her and loves her and he loves being around that too he he thinks she's wonderful and he wants to be like her he wants to take chances but and at the end he. Even and says like she wants to spend the night with him and he's a af- he's afraid mm-hmm. that like he he's just afraid to do that and that affects his outcome in this movie but then he end, ends up being brave and choosing her at the end but she's so wonderful and like the, the romance is so funny it's only shown for a few you know it's only really over a few days and you only see a few mm-hmm. dates together but it really feels earned that they yeah, are we are a good fit for each other um and i you know there's like I just like how he says that how this is it's effortless mm-hmm. and like there and he's mentioned that too like he you you have relationships there's so much work and he's like they sh- shouldn't be so much work and he he talks about when he's met his real wife Kimberly he he met her in his 40s and I think he married her in his 50s and and um but like she is like exactly like they they kind of let them they do their own thing and she's a painter and he's you know he he writes his books and and he and he writes movies and works on movies and like they they get each other and they complement each other so well um and that scene in that golf course i mean it gets me every time where he she comes up to him and says if you Make fun of me, I'm gonna get you. And he just looks (laughs) at her and says, You've already got me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so romantic. And it's, it's, it's just, it's so earned and um, wildly romantic. Um, And I think this movie really makes, I feel like it captures what I really do believe is like what you look for in a real marriage, like companionship Mm -hmm. and, and, and true respect and admiration and chemistry. And you can make each other laugh. And it's just a wonderful, um, reflection of true love I feel like this film um and then I'll and and I, I- I just think it's wonderful and I think Meryl Streep's best performance is so nice to see her that way but Rip Torn as well he's so warm he's great, in yeah. this movie he is like, yeah yeah and he's so funny too I mean he's so funny big bear he's, he's like, great yeah yeah everything about him but like even at the end when he has to deliver that mm-hmm. line to him of like you're not going back it's so affecting and mm-hmm. Albert Brooks really looks like his whole demeanor has changed that he has to go back but and just he's just he seems like so fatherly when he tells them you know you know they be. They got it wrong Mm -hmm. You know They don't always Get it right It's just It's so It's Everything about This movie Is so perfect and yeah. and no matter how many times I watch it it's just all the little things and even you know like they talk about too in the Bob Whitey interview about when they go to Pass life's pavilion mm-hmm. and that and then they see oh, Shirley right, McLean, sure and plane. that <laughs> woman goes oh my god yeah. like that's hilarious too but what's funny about it is they said that like you people were always so overwhelmed by Shirley McLean they never saw it heard that oh my god but when you saw it on video mm-hmm. you would hear it um but the small little things like that are just I mean he just put in the perfect lines of the perfect places yeah it's that, it's really just like i think his his i really think it's albert brooks masterpiece this film
1: i agree and the, and the shirley McLean one probably didn't age as well because we remember yeah. her as uh you know that she was actually making fun of herself by doing that yeah but no no you're right and yes i i think streep and and brooks you know i'm sure they got along but if you really think about it because of the world building and you know going through the death uh she doesn't really come into the film until I want to say at least a third of the way through, maybe not even halfway through, but but you're right. Once they're together, it clicks, and it, and it just you, you can tell they, they're natural for each other, and um, and then it just goes from there. So, yeah, I love this film. I'm so glad to have it in the collection. Might be one of my biggest rewatches going forward. We'll see. Um, but let's move to his other film in the collection, which was his first film in the collection as a director, um, Lost in America, which is basically making fun of yuppie 80s um america <laughs> which uh I, I i was a kid uh, uh i was i was about the time and when lost in america came out that you were when defending your life um uh came out but so mm-hmm. i i saw that culture but i didn't really get grasp it until i got older and um and maybe even saw other 80s movies where that yuppie culture came out but um but I would say Lost in America is probably a less likable character than Defending Your Life. Um, and, and, and actually, I don't know how redemptive he actually gets because of the Genesis, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on uh, Lost in America?
0: Uh, it, I love Lost in America. I think Lost in America is probably his most accessible film. I, I think Defending Your Life is, um, is my favorite of his films. And usually that's a film that I, I, uh, you think I, uh, you would, I would say that that's the most accessible film, but I think sometimes, sometime, I think the first, the best entry point maybe into Brooks might be lost in America because it shows it's edgy mm-hmm. and yeah. it's, 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 it's like uh, but it's not as edgy as like modern romance. It's just, it's very, very funny. And I think it's very relatable, but like you can choose to hate his character or not, but, uh, uh, defending your life. I think some people isn't as loved by certain people because, um, they think it's not as edgy and oh, there's the romantic. And it isn't. It's definitely not. It's just, um, uh, I was reading somewhere where they said uh, that, oh, oh, maybe it was, was I reading it from? I don't remember where I got it from, but uh, I was just looking about like, uh, someone had said that Lost in America. It's like that. Defending Your Life is the the sequel to it. Like that. Maybe this couple broke up and mm-hmm. um, and got a divorce, and then Defending Your Life is the same man that Daniel Miller's character. Like later, like he, you know, now he's moved. He's um, Like evolving as a person. I mean, Lost in America was when in his yuppie lifestyle type thing because they're both advertising executives, actually. Right. But uh, Lost in America is 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 so funny. Um, Just I think this is most consistently funny film throughout. It's just hilarious. I think uh, Modern Romance is super funny, but um, but it's also like has uh, like like long pauses and and but it's great i mean it's all great stuff but i think uh as just like something that's more entertaining and more accessible to more people i think lost in america consistently is funny throughout and i think there are a lot of people who are executives or like in the business world and have, and can relate to that fact of like wanting to get that job yeah. and thinking you know oh i'm gonna get the finally I'm gonna get the promotion and maybe somebody gets it over you i, I that's happened to me it's happened to a lot of people i know <laughs> um you know not everyone has is In that world but if you are you kind of that part where he goes and he quits his job is absolutely brilliant Mm. and I think a lot of people like live vicariously through how great it would be to just like tell your boss off um (laughs) you know and then you know but it's also funny too like that nest egg scene wasn't even planned in that film because I think um I think the film ended with like or Julie Haggerty was like oh, oh no that scene there's a scene where she says like I don't I don't can't apologize anymore. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. And then like people hated her because of it, because they thought, how dare her, like that she lost all their money. And so they wanted him to they, they created this nest egg scene to sort of make her feel like people would feel sorry for her. Like, oh, okay now now we get like we like her and that she had to endure this nest egg scene. But, um, but everything about the movie, like that scene where he goes and he gets the tries to get a job, and he's like, is, and then there's their hundred thousand dollar box. I mean, <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant.
1: Yeah, I I love that you pointed out that we are both in corporate America, and um, and and so we've been. So this, this is a movie that. So I saw it as a kid, and as I mentioned, I could not relate to that yuppie culture or corporate culture, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I grow grow older, uh, I certainly can relate more. Um, I'm not going to. Leave um, um, on a. I'm not gonna buy an RV and leave my job and <laughs> go to the national Landmark. I'd rather go to Europe. Actually, I don't. It seems like if you had that big of a nest egg, why would you go to, I don't know, Vegas? But
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I think they did it as a stop though to um, like get remarried. They thought it would right, be fun right, to right, like. That's right. That's uh, right. But and then remember they originally their plan was just to stay in the RV, and but then mm-hmm. all of a sudden Julie Haggerty's like, no, let's get a room. Let's and he's like, what? So then. And then he didn't know she was this like horribly gambling disease person. He said, which is funny because he 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 mentions sometimes that Monica Johnson, the co-writer of that movie, he says that she loves to gamble, and he actually thought that she and um, Julie Haggerty had a lot in common that, wow. that character.
1: Yeah, and, and I think they're both very flawed characters. But what I think is is a lot of fun about uh, *Defending Your Life*. I'm sorry uh, about um, uh, *Lost in America*. Is that it was his version of Easy Rider. And like, like uh-huh. that was the, basically the model for what he, where he was going. and he, of course, easy Rider's iconic, but not very funny. Um, <laughs> is, is very, very funny, but it's also about like a, a, a really fractured marriage. So I was I, was, I think it was a appropriate first uh, Brooks in the collection. And, um, and I think defending your life is a good follow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what should be next?
0: Oh, like which after you saw those two? Uh, uh,
1: if you, if you were uh, if you worked at Criterion, what what movie would you choose? As oh the, gosh, The Third um, Brooks, Real Life.
0: I th- I think Modern Romance, but the, I know I know Modern Romance is on Blu-ray, um, mm-hmm. which was amazing. I, I, what is it? Indicator put Indicator. that out. Yeah, but would
1: I, and I think it was all region, so yeah.
0: Yeah, it is all region because I because I was able to buy it, um, and that was exciting. But um, do I mean would Criterion? Touch it if someone else had put it out. I don't really know. It's
1: uh, it's the criterion rules. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's really just all about film licensing. Period. Uh, yeah. So, so the, the indicator release of that of Modern Romance is, is pretty amazing. Uh, so I yeah I think it that, is. But but they have. I mean there there've been American releases and UK releases. Uh, you know we, we talk about them all the time. In fact, I have a lot of uh, discs that um, I bought UK and then you know, years later they come out in, in America. Um, but real life is not out anywhere. That's why I was, I was thinking about that. Real life
0: isn't out anywhere. That would be a great one. I think it's so funny. That's like my least favorite about all the Albert Brooks movies, but it's, it's wonderful. It's a great movie and it's so funny. Um, and he really predicted like the start of reality TV culture and all of that uh, with that movie and a, mo- a mockumentary before like this is Spinal Tap. And there's so much stuff that's like so forward thinking about that film. Um, and it's great. It's very funny, but it's mm-hmm. not my favorite of his films. Uh, but I think that because it is not really so readily available it would be great if they tackled real life especially because it's his first film Mm -hmm. um and it's so funny too because albert brooks didn't even want to direct like he never wanted to be a director like he sort of became a director because he came on to real life and was writing it and then it was and gonna be in it and then all of a sudden he's like he kind of became a director because he was like, wait, who are you going to cast? And like, <laughs> wait, what What are you going to do? Like he didn't want them to touch his baby. And then he felt like he, he had so much more freedom as a director and being able to do that. And um, with like Lost in America's other mm-hmm. films, when you're directing it, you can control what your story is and how it's being, um, you know, relatable on screen and who you're casting and all that. And you have just way more decisions. But um, but like directing so much harder to get, money for films and 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 honestly acting is what he loves to do Mm -hmm. the most
1: oh really okay yeah and that's what he's
0: always wanted to be he's always wanted to be an actor like a great actor
1: and he is yeah i guess as director you uh, in hollywood you have the best chance to execute your vision so i i could imagine that maybe somebody else doing lost in america with him if writing and and leading uh if they had a different vision that might be uh, complicated but what about his later work? I, I, I know that I, I don't think that looking for comedy in the Muslim world was very well written. Received, um, I think Mother was pretty well received. Uh, but yeah, yeah,
0: Mother, Muse, and La- and Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World are all amazing. Um, Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World is one a movie that I think it ha- might have had the lowest Rotten Tomato score, but I actually really love Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World. I feel okay. like true Albert Brooks fans really like this movie um, because he's playing himself in that movie. Um, he's playing Albert Brooks. Like they ask Albert Brooks in this movie to go and try to like achieve peace in the Middle East with comedy. <laughs> um, it's very funny, and he does a lot of his old comedy stand-up bits in this movie. Okay. Um, and it's funny too. There's like because one thing we didn't note is that you know he's actually more popular and more well-known for his voice roles in The Simpsons um, and oh, of and Finding Nemo and Finding Dory, and so mm-hmm. they make they make jokes about the fact that like. People are like, oh, I don't never heard of Lost in America. I've never heard of these movies. Oh, you're Nemo. Oh, Nemo. <laughs> like yeah. it's and so I think it's very meta. Um, and Al Brooks has always been very meta. So I think if you're um, really truly love him as a comedian and a writer and um, just as like a personality, you I think that you just really uh, enjoy looking for comedy in the Muslim world. Again, and I don't think it's for everybody though. I I think mm-hmm. that because um, and then he because he does a lot of these. Uh, like I said, some of his bits from stuff before, um, in the movie, but, uh, mother and muse are great. a uh, mother, I think is, um, I think that's his most highly rated film. I think it's actually the movie that made the most money of all of his movies. Um, but mother is, is amazing. Um, and it's very funny. And I would love for that movie to be on Criterion. I feel like that's a good one to be next if they don't do real life.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: And uh, Muse gets, like, mixed reviews from people. I really like Muse. I think Muse is hilarious. Again, um, you get uh, Albert Brooks isn't, I don't believe, I don't think he's playing himself. I can't remember if he's playing himself, but he's playing somebody like him. Like, he's playing um, a director and an actor and somebody who's writing screenplays, and he's not as well, he's not that popular anymore. So he ends up getting a Muse, Sharon Stone, to help him um and there's all these cameos from like James Cameron and all these people um who actually use Sharon Stone as a muse um and uh it's just very 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 funny and his wife um becomes like a Mrs. Fields type um like she makes cookies and it's it's just it, there's just there's great uh scenes at parties hollywood stuff so you know if you're like in the hollywood scene it's very funny but um i the muse like as uh, isn't as well received but i Mm -hmm. loved it and i I, well i mean i love all this movies (laughs) right uh, clearly but yeah yeah.
1: well we'll see i i I think mother might uh shows shows a different aspect of his um his if it's if it's a version of himself but it's you know a more maternal uh yeah mother son so it's it's interesting and was it debbie reynolds i forget who
0: yeah, Debbie Reynolds is his mom, and he plays a author in that one where okay. he writes books, um, and his mom never appreciates the fact that he is that's um, right. That's like right. he's he's a very successful science fiction author, and um, his mom like always sort of belittles him and always try to talks up his brother, who's like a very successful. I think he's like a uh, agent for um sports stars like a jerry mcguire type person right, right um but it so he ends up moving in with this mom to fix their relationship and they like um end up becoming creating this amazing relationship but mm-hmm. there's so many great things with that too they're relatable like uh, everybody has a mom um and um there's 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 some great scenes with him and just re just like Le- learning more about his mom and how she lives now. And he's just, he's, it, they're very, it's very funny and also very touching and moving
1: too. Wow, well, yeah, well, I, I have, it's overdue to give it a, a rewatch. Um, and since we're on Criterion, and I don't know if you know this, but the first episode that that I did with Mark uh, was about broadcast news. Oh yeah, fir- I did, I first, listened to that. The first I listened released. to your debut episode because yeah.
0: you tackled my, that's my second favorite film of all time.
1: Yeah, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a great film, and it's really not an Albert Brooks type film, but he's just so good in in it. Um, but so that that always is a special film to me, um, just because of that. The podcasting, the, the actual first episode we recorded was the Rose, and um, kind of we had audio problems, so we actually sat on it for like two years, and they we're oh. like, oh, you know, it's okay. it's not that that bad. So we we'll, we put it out anyway. But um, but yeah, broadcast news was really where we found our voices, podcasters, and if you re- remember, it's been a while, so you might not, but we we added clips from the movie and mm-hmm. kind of interacted with them. And, and that's a great movie because there's so many quotable moments and, um, and, and quotes that you can springboard. I think we actually used that line about him sitting at home and, uh, and the, the news being written uh, read on, um, as he was um, yeah. watching it on TV. Uh, yeah, so. a lot
0: of alliteration for anxious acres placed in powerful posts. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene where he's at home singing, I sing while I read, like that whole, <laughs> that, everything is quotable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the movie. I love everybody involved with the movie. I think uh, William Hurt is like the empty suit anchorman. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I, th- I think he might have inspired Anchorman, the, Mo- the Will Ferrell movie. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. And then, of course, Holly Hunter is the, um, and you know, that's, that's one thing we think about women and men in working relationships. And you know, I, as we mentioned, you're in corporate America. Um, yeah. I am too. I have a, a woman boss who's amazing. But, um, but a lot of times women uh, don't get enough credit, and that's like a, almost like a microaggression uh, that, that yeah. has happened that probably a lot of people, it's almost universally felt. So I think a, a lot of people in our world probably could identify uh, with Holly Hunter, a lot of females. Oh,
0: yeah. I, I, I used to t- I say and um, that she's the character that I most identify with mm-hmm. um, in film um and um what i always thought was so amazing about that film is um so it's based on Susan Zaretsky who's a very um famous journalist but um you know the crying stuff in the movie i think right. sometimes is misinterpreted but um what i think is really amazing is i think it speaks to imposter syndrome which a lot of people um you know men have it um and a lot of famous people have had it too but like women struggle with it a lot and i I've, I've had it before too where you sit there and you think all of a sudden you're an imposter, like you're, you're not, you, you actually shouldn't be in this role, you're not as smart as you thought you were, and you have struggled with that, and people who are very successful um, get, you know, get seized with that a lot, and Susan Zarinsky was one of those people, and they put that in the movie, um, and I love how they show that, it just feels so real and authentic for um, a successful female um to to experience crying and i think sometimes Mm -hmm. people interpret it different ways but it's like outlet for her but um i used to i mean (laughs) in my early 20s i used to cry sometimes too as an outlet to just like just get it out and like feel but like uh i just think she's such a uh wonderful uh character holly hunter's character and she's so three-dimensional and i love how they put that in the movie so they they don't actually talk about the fact she has imposter syndrome but if you have it you kind of get that that's what's happening there um and it's just um i love the, how she's has like a just this moral thread throughout like this is her job and she has to go with the news and like we can't cross that line and her just amazing relationship with Albert Brooks of like her friend that also likes her. And there's just, the film is just so. he treated her well too.
1: Yeah. The others didn't. Yeah. But uh, sorry, I interrupted you. The film was Oh no,
0: no, no, I just, I, I just was just going to continue to gush (laughs) about it. But yeah, I mean, it's just such a well directed, well written film by James L. Brooks. And I, like I said, it delivers Albert Brooks's, um, He's so wonderful in that movie. He's he's funny and he's witty and he's like dark um, and um, he's flawed. And so is Holly Hunter. And it's just in William Hurt. And I just think that there's just three distinctive personalities in that film that are mm-hmm. so wonderful. Um, and uh, I I I can't say enough about that film. I mean, that's why it's so my my three favorite my two my second favorite film of all time is Broadcast News, and my third is Defending Your Life. Wow. They're very closely tied. How much I love them.
1: And versus T two, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: Terminator Two, Judgment Day beats beats them all. That movie changed my life and made me fall in love with movies. Um, but it is funny that I fell in love with Terminator Two and uh, Defend Your Life in the same year. They became mm-hmm. big parts of my life. and they're so different, but mm-hmm. they're equally. I mean, just masterpieces. I think.
1: Well, Broadcast News was a movie that my my parents took me to, and I, mm-hmm. I thought. And of course, when you're, you know. In your teens, the news is not always the most exciting thing in the world, especially back in the MTV days. And I think I, I went on un- unwittingly, but I, th- but even I think I must have been 15, I, and I fell in love with it even then. I, I remember watching the Oscars, not really being a big film person hoping that uh, Holly Hunter would win. And I forget who, who beat her, but um, whoever forget it was. I who beat
0: her, too. Albert Brooks was um, nominated, too, yeah. and William Hurt. I think they're all nominated. Yeah, I think
1: they were. Yeah, and, and it was for picture, too. But mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't believe it won anything. So, yeah. but Yeah, I, I can't maybe remember. Like... I, have,
0: I I did a podcast about it, but I can't remember either. <laughs> I, if, if it won, I feel like, did it win, like, screenplay? I can't remember.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I think it didn't win anything, but I'll, I'll double check, fact check, checked us.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need our fact checker. <laughs> uh,
1: but um, but yeah, okay. Well, this is great conversation. Uh, seek out more um, Albert Brooks people, and um, let's hope there's more coming to the collection soon. So, uh, Criterion, if you're listening, uh, I think we're. Settled on mother being the uh, the best next one. Yeah, right?
0: I definitely definitely, and I do. I want to give a shout out um, to Ari Aster who did the essay in yes. the Defending Your Life Blu ray. Um, it's really a beautiful essay, and I think it's great just for anyone that doesn't know a lot about Albert Brooks because it really gives a cool history of like where he went with comedy and then Saturday Night Live and like throughout all of his films. And and then I, he really does a deep dive and like really shouts out to like specific lines in Defending Your Life, which was fun, but. um Uh, In particular, um, one thing I just absolutely love in the beginning of his essay is, um, I'm gonna read this, is he says, if zealotry among initiates count it for more than numbers, He's talking about Albert Brooks here. Uh, sure. He would certainly be among the most fiercely heralded of all American auteurs. I hey. say this with, with confidence because I have yet to meet a Brooks fan who isn't frothing at the mouth. His <laughs> films are true marvels of wit, originality, and penetrating insight, all of them treasured in knowing circles, but none quite given their due in their own time. So well written. Um, but it's great. true. I, I, it's the same thing. Like, you, you don't meet a Brooks fan that isn't like you know frothing at the mouth, as he says. <laughs> they just love him. And we love I, him.
1: I, I love Ari Aster. I think he's a great young filmmaker. I think he's what has two, three films, horror films. Yeah, he never, he hasn't missed. He's like Albert. He's he's yeah.
0: like the Albert Brooks of horror. Like, yeah. has he made a bad movie? His movies are amazing. Yeah, and I don't um, know if he'll stay
1: with horror, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, think he, I he mean, I'd love out. to see
0: where he goes next, but yeah. um, Hereditary and Midsummer were extraordinary.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree. Could go on on. Uh, that's another episode. Yeah. <laughs> when they make Criterion, mm-hmm. so. All right, well, that's, I think that's a, a wrap on our Albert Brooks on Criterion now. Hopefully we'll get another opportunity to talk about him uh, again. So Criterion, if you're listening, let's help us out. Um, <laughs> usually we do short takes and piece of flair to finish our episodes, but um, maybe just uh, one thing we talk about is something we're enj- enjoying, the piece of flair that is not Criterion-related. So is there anything, Becky, that you have seen or are interested in, in lately that, um, that is worth mentioning?
0: Uh, I like to give a shout out to some of the Oscar um my favorite Oscar winners that are <laughs> out on streaming now. Um and promising young woman, uh Sound of Metal. A collective and the Father, those are my top five favorite films of all time. Those are all available for streaming. I mean, they, I think some people talk about how the films weren't as amazing last year in 2020, which is not, I don't think, an accurate statement. Um, those films in itself were just knock your socks off films. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, Promising a Woman, I was just floored by it. Um, and I saw it like uh two times in a row i actually watched the ending like seven times in a row it was just i'm obsessed with it i have to buy it now um but uh that's a film that i i i just have no doubt it's gonna make my best of the decade list and there's still nine years to go (laughs) to make that list um it's just it really knocked me um flat and i just absolutely loved it and i love that it won um an oscar for best screenplay um because it's so original and so amazing um in particular father and um sound and metal i think in particular i love that those films um, are so unique in the fact that they really, they don't just show you someone who's, um, who has experiencing dementia, or someone that is, um, losing their hearing. They actually, um, like, allow you to experience it yourself. Yeah. And, like, you really empathize because you, the, the, the way that they do both of those films, you really feel like you're actually experiencing dementia in the father. Like, this mm-hmm. is what it would be like. It's kind of like the Twilight Zone, the way they do it. And with Sound and Metal, with the, the way they, they actually won an Oscar for Sound they sh- and Absolutely well deserved sure, yeah. because of what they did with sound and like what he's experiencing what how he can hear. So it, I just love how those films in general really take you into those characters and how what they're experiencing and then the collective um is just like jaw dropping documentary um about um these fires happen in Romania and like it, it really like the uncovering of um of really Corruption. what led to all these deaths after. So yeah.
1: Uh, uh, maybe not corruption, but you know, just inefficient. Uh, well, yeah, corruption too. Yeah, I love collective, and I love how the way you uh, summed up the father and sound of metal because they really do immerse you in the in the character's perspective. And I love that about the father, and I'm and even though I I have not seen um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: so I can't really speak to you know. That's a great and
0: film. I, yeah,
1: uh, that's what I've heard, and I've heard Boseman was great too. And I oh yeah, he, he was he passed, wonderful. So it's and it's it's. Weird, you know, comparing art, you know, our performances, you know. Although we just did talk about how broadcast news was shut out, uh, but but Hopkins was uh, was amazing, and I actually I was I was hoping Olivia Colman would win as well. Uh, oh, she
0: was heartbreaking, but on mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Hopkins, I think um, delivered the best performance of his career in The Father, and I also think it's the I best agree. of the nominees. Um, Chadwick Boseman was amazing. Like, he, there's no way he wouldn't have been nominated if he was still alive for that role. He was, deserved to be a nominate. He was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. But if you are, I think, in my opinion, if you're looking at, Stacking them up against who's like the be- the best in that field of the- those nominees. I-, I do think Anthony Hopkins was the best of those five. Yeah. But Chadwick Boseman, in every way, shape, or form, deserved to win- get that nomination. And I think if he won, everybody would have loved that and he-, mm-hmm. he deserved it as well. But I do think if we're looking at like best performance, anthony hopkins i just he he's just absolutely heartbreaking just olivia colman was too but just like i've just that performance is i think the best of his career
1: yeah and also uh i'll I'll say Delroy lindo and bozeman and um uh the the five bloods were were also great but they didn't didn't get nominated for those yes my my piece of flair is california split uh it's one of the it's amazing i'm saying this but one of the few robert altman's i hadn't seen and I watched, I'm taking a, a 1970s American film class. Nice. Which, uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's not a real class. It's a, I mean, I shouldn't say not a real class. Not it's a not, real class. It's a, it's a real class, but I don't have to turn in term papers yeah. or anything. It's not graded. It's, it's just It's like a, my
0: Bergman lecture. It was a yeah. one day lecture. Hope nobody oh, okay. said that wasn't a real class.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it's not leading to a degree is what I'm yeah. saying. But, uh. But California Split was one of the foot films, and I, I don't know why I hadn't watched it. I, I, just in hindsight, I just think that since I love that era of Altman, or really yeah. a lot of Altman, even he, he's had his misfires. But um, but yeah, I, and and also I kind of don't love Elliot Gold all the time. I love him in, in like the, the Long Goodbye. Uh huh. You know he's okay in Mash, but but also a lot of times I, it feels feels like he's overkill. And <laughs> in California Split, he's like the the most Elliot Gold. That Elliot Gold has ever been like he 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 projects so much. He's loud. He's obnoxious. Um, he's charismatic. But it's I think it's and at first I was like man this is too much. I don't like this guy. This is too much. Elliot Gold. Uh, but there's some amazing scenes. There's one in a poker room where he just does this monologue um, and actually cracks up. I think the the extra in in the scene as well. Um, so many uh, great scenes. So this is one of the, my. Uh, favorite Altman discoveries that, um, yeah, Criterion, why don't you put that one out?
0: (laughs) It's so funny. This is so random, but you talked about Elliot Gould because I was just reading an interview with Albert Brooks when he was talking about, uh, like, again, why he became a director and he's about how he said, like, Oh, they're going to talk about putting Elliot Gould in one of these movies. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, oh, no, you know, he's wonderful. But you don't want to put him in that. That's terrible. Like, it's that's a thing. You got to put Elliot Gould in the right role.
1: Yes. And Elliot Gould's fine. But can you imagine him in uh, Lost in America? (laughs) No. <laughs> Defending <laughs> no. your life? No way. Exactly. So, so funny. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. And I, it's on the Criterion channel, I believe, so I recommend it. And there was an uh, like a rights issue with one of the songs, so they, they had to cut uh, a couple minutes. Um, I think it might have been Happy Birthday, um, which is now in the public domain, not positive. So I, I guess this is the restored cut. So, you know, if you, if you um, had seen it before, you might see two minutes extra that you hadn't before. So... All right, well, Becky, great talking to you. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to do it again soon. Um, and I know you're big on Twitter, so you, do you um, want to share where, you, where people can find you?
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hollywood Minotaur, and that's H. Wood Minotaur. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with Albert Brooks, so <laughs> you can talk to me, <laughs> ask me anything, or if you want to talk about him, or Igmar Bergman, or Star Trek, or T2, or anything, horror, <laughs> I mean, French I'm, New I'm, Wave, yeah. yeah, French New Wave, whatever you want to talk about, I'm, I'm here for you. Um, <laughs> I I love it. Um, I love film and I love talking about all types of different films. So and then uh, my website is BeckyDeanna.com. Um, and that has like all my top 10 lists from the last 15 years, including the 2020 uh, list, which includes like I mentioned, those the, some of my favorite films from in my top five um, there and my little reviews for those. And then all, all of my podcast appearances can be found on my website, including I've done, um, I, I did an episode on modern romance for wrong Real, And then I did a big giant, uh, one on Albert Brooks's filmography. And, you know, we didn't touch on everything here, but we talk about like all the roles that he's turned down over there. He's turned oh, over wow. uh, down over a hundred roles and how he was asked to be the permanent host of Saturday night live. And he was actually the one that convinced, um, told them, oh, you don't want a permanent, I mean, uh, you don't want a permanent host. You should have somebody that's, you know, a rotating host. And they were going to call it like, it's so crazy. Night Live was almost called the Albert Brooks show. So, wow. um, there's so much stuff that we talk about there that like, again, that's why we need it two and a half hours. Cause we, we just really take a deep dive and, that's and cool. to why Albert Brooks is a genius. Um, but if you're interested in that, check those out. Um, those are the two places, uh, you can get a hold of me
1: and the, the website and the Twitter are in the show notes and that episode will definitely be, um, and I, I do remember that, but I think I'm going to go listen to, to that Wrong Real episode again after this as well. So, Oh, awesome. Great talking to you. Uh, and uh, that's the end of the show.